Assalamu alaikum guys and welcome back to another episode of The Word Affairs. So I hope you're all having an amazing week. I've had such a challenging week guys seriously because I've been really really unwell. Um, I came down with a cold and coincidentally one of my friends actually had this very same cold I think it was about a week before I did and so this week we've all pretty much had off. Um, Well I mean we've all had off because the kids like they've all off been off school as well that type of stuff so alhamdulillah the roads have been quieter which has been great because normally it is a headache getting anywhere during like that type of school hour rush type of thing um so it's been nice just being able to run errands and stuff like that with the roads being quiet finally but having said that because i came down with such bad cold genuinely like i have been coughing i have been sneezing i've had a runny nose i had the worst headaches everything really really painful chest this entire week I don't know if you guys can kind of hear it in my voice now but I don't know like it is it's hard to breathe <laughs> like I just want to start spluttering into a cough any minute now which I normally get at this type of you know time of the year anyway but it's kind of worse this time so I'm, I know that it's going to be hard to record this episode because I'm going to have to stop and play here and there everywhere um but let's just get through it and hopefully it'll be okay inshallah um but yeah um it's also been quite a good week I guess because one of my uh friends got married and it was so so amazing to attend the wedding she does listen to the podcast and sometimes she'll put it on her you know with her commute to work or something she used to tell me that so I don't know if she's hearing this but she is congrats again um it was the first wedding of a friend that I ever really intended attended sorry so she was like the first of my friends to get married and it was very emotional weddings are generally an emotional thing and perspective when you think about it because especially from the girl's perspective because obviously you've got the whole concept of like hey we're gonna move out or like you know your your next start of your life begins and stuff like that and it's very yeah it's a very emotional time I'm that type of person where I will cry at any wedding like any wedding I remember my cousin was getting married and obviously we were from the boy side and <laughs> they brought the girl so when it was like the bidai or like the ruksati whatever you call it uh, that's basically like the farewell that the girl does to the family and then she's like moving into her new house and with her brother sorry with her brother she's leaving her brothers and her mother and her father uh, to start the next journey of her life um, and it's a very emotional you know time and I will literally be that person crying at every single one of them because I just get very emotional about stuff like that even though in that specific wedding we were from the boy side so it was like you know, it's more fun on the boy's side because you're bringing the girl home and, like, you guys are just vibes. But, yeah, I was just there, like, literally bawling my eyes out because <laughs> I was just so emotional. But, yeah, it was really, really emotional and it was just a lovely time as well because she found her happiness. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Allahumma barik and may Allah bless their marriage and give them a very, very happy long life together. I mean. So, having said that, I actually um came across a Reddit thread this was about three weeks ago, maybe. And I was like, you know what? I want to do a proper episode on this. So I saved it. And I was like, you know, I think this week is the week we go through it. Because obviously I just attended my friend's wedding. And, you know, just generally thinking, yeah, let's get into it type of thing. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to start off the episode this week. So that's a bit funny because normally we end the episodes with the Reddit threads. But this week I'm starting off with one specific Reddit thread because... It puts everything into perspective. Uh, and by the way, I haven't even read 
all of the Reddit thread. I've literally probably read the first few sentences. That's it. And the, and the title. Um, but yeah, so it's a little different this week. But the reason for that is because it's just going to set the scene for everything else. Um, and the topic for today, which you guys will probably be able to gather from said Reddit thread. Now, for the record, before I begin this, I do not know the ethnicity. I do not know the religion. And the reason why I'm saying that is because... When I get into the topic, obviously I will be speaking about it from a Muslim perspective, from a South Asian perspective, but I just wanted to begin with this Reddit thread because it's very, very relevant. So, am I the idiot for telling my mother-in-law that once she reads up basic sixth grade biology, she's free to give me a call and apologise? I, 28-year-old female, have been married to my husband Cam, 32-year-old male, for two years and we've been together for four in total. He was a friend of my older brother, so I've known him even longer. Cam and I decided to try for a baby and now I'm currently 20 weeks with our first. When we told my mother-in-law the news, the first thing she mentioned was that every woman in the family had a son before they had a daughter. So she thought the baby would be a boy. Cam and I told her we didn't care what we were having, we just wanted a happy and healthy child. Well, I'm having a girl and we informed my mother-in-law of this earlier in the evening. Cam and I weren't on board with the idea of a huge dramatic gender reveal, so we just decided to go with casual announcements. Mother-in-law immediately seemed upset at this and she told me that next time I need to try harder to give my husband a son. I laughed and said, I didn't really have much of a choice in the matter, so if and when we have another child, there's nothing I could do to make sure we had a boy then either. She said that it was a fault on my end because she had a boy first, she has all boys by the way, All of her other son's wives had boys first, so that meant I was the odd one out. Cam told his mum that he didn't care about having a son or not, and that she needed to stop blaming me for something that couldn't possibly be my fault, but then she started getting on to him about how he should want a child that could carry on the family name instead of a daughter that will just be given away. The whole thing was absolutely ridiculous. So I told her that once she looks into getting a refresher course and reading up her basic biology she should have learnt in the sixth grade, she's free to give me a call and apologise for being absolutely ridiculous. My husband and I left after that and in the car he said that whilst he understood my frustration, he didn't appreciate me speaking to his mother like that because I basically implied that she was an idiot. I told him that I didn't appreciate the way she was speaking to me and that he should be upset on behalf of our daughter since his mum clearly seems to think less of our child before she's even been born. The rest of the car ride was silent and honestly we haven't talked since getting back home either. He did defend me to her so I know he's on my side but I know he wouldn't have brought up the way I spoke to her unless he really thought it was out of line. I feel like a bit of an idiot now and I'm not sure if I should apologise to her or not. So as you guys could probably tell that is a very 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 heated topic that a lot of you will probably be familiar with in our communities of today. Now, I did say that I'm going to be speaking about it from a Muslim perspective, a South Asian perspective, but sadly, I don't think that this topic is solely limited to the South Asian community. I do believe that it is pretty prevalent in the majority of our communities, regardless of ethnicity, clearly, because, like I said, I don't know their ethnicity or religion so I'm a bit surprised to be honest with you that it would crop up in a family like that perhaps um but like I said again we can't really understand like what the ethnicity is or anything like that so we can't really assume um so the only thing I could really speak about is 
the stories that I've heard or the, the, the anger that I could feel about that. And yeah, the sad thing is that people just don't understand this. And I think it's really, really heartbreaking because Islam is truly a religion that makes sense, okay? You know, people sometimes ask, oh, what's what's Islam? And we're like, oh, it's peace. It's the peace for religion. It's this, it's that. And it is. But when you really sit down and think about it, Islam is a religion that just makes sense. It just does, okay? And sometimes we, we sit down and we think, well, why and how did this all arise or, you know, whatever it may be. You have to remember that when Islam came, it abolished a lot of these age-old backward traditions, backward practices, these notions that were heavily, deeply rooted in culture. You know, we talk about the Arab world because obviously that was the first place where Islam basically began in the time of the Prophet Muhammad So I'm talking more specifically about our ummah. But, you know, back then, and I'm sure a lot of you know this anyway, that, you know, the, the concept of, of killing girls the concept of of burying daughters was a very very big thing it was humongous it was absolutely it was it was considered the norm that was normal for them that was not something that anyone would bat an eyelid to that was not something that anyone would be ashamed for or 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 arrested for perhaps even like that was not a crime that was considered the norm and to understand why people do that type of stuff why they did that type of stuff or why they still continue to do that in in so many countries and rather not even just you know go as far to kill a female girl or go as far to to you know bury one you have to kind of look into why they do it you have to you have to look into why the concept of daughters or rather the concept of like you know just having female children is just so detested amongst some societies um because it's deeply rooted in the whole concept of families money wealth income and duties and moral responsibilities so obviously we're talking about um societies back in the days obviously a lot of this stuff kind of like doesn't really apply nowadays but it still does, if that makes sense, more in the modern times. And I will talk about that as well. So obviously back in those days, typically the person who would be the breadwinner of the house would be the man. Women were um, raised obviously to be nurturers, which obviously we still are to this day. Um, but, you know, typically would be doing the housemaking, you know, they'd be a housewife, um, you know, you'd, just, you'd marry them off when they're young. And yeah, you'd basically raise them and then marry them off and you know, the cycle continues type of thing. Um, and the thing is, when a boy is born in a house, a lot of people get happy for many reasons. Number one, because the boy will carry on the name of the family. You'll carry on the bloodline, you carry on the legacy, you can carry, you know, pass a surname to the rest of the line, I guess, um, the heir to the majority of the stuff. Um, whereas with the daughters, when they are born it's like okay cool I have to clothe you I have to feed you I have to raise you I have to basically take care of you all the way until you're a woman and then I have to pay to marry you off like pay for the wedding pay for this pay for that and then you you know I marry you off and then yeah you're settled in your own house but if anything goes wrong like you have to come back to mine type of thing so what people typically associated was that when they have a son that son grows up to basically become a provider of the house right so they're going to grow up, they're going to help their mom and dad in their old age, financially, they're going to help kind of like relieve the burden off their father's shoulders. 
and yeah, carry on, you know, the family name. Whereas with the daughters, they help around in the house, but that's it, you know? Back, obviously, like I said, this is back in that society. That's it. And so when the news would come, oh, hey, by the way, you've had a baby girl, a lot of people would feel that immense burden come on themselves of, oh my God, I have to take care of this person now. I have to pay for all of her basic upbringing and her clothing, her feeding and all that. She basically does not benefit me in any way whatsoever. It's literally something where I've got no gain from. I don't have financial gain in her. I don't have a physical gain in her. I just am basically losing. Because remember, these societies stereotypically as well, there was a concept of, you know, the struggle for money, there's a struggle for income, stuff like that. And then on top of that, there was that aspect of reputation. So there was that thing of, oh, what if she basically gets older and she kind of brings shame on the family by doing X, Y, Z? You know, that's something I cannot live with because of the honour has been tarnished and stuff like that. And so all of this basically made it as if the having a girl is a big problem because you don't gain anything from having a girl you're actually just losing and it's just a burden whereas having a boy there's just so many gains right and so this led to a lot of obviously people thinking hang on this is just going to cause me problems you know I've got to look after her I've got to take care of her her honor is my honor I've literally always got to be vigilant about that I, I will have to pay so much in terms of getting her married off as in like the wedding and all that type of stuff like I said before and then finding someone and you know stuff like that it was too much and so they would kill their girls they would kill the babies or they'd be absolutely livid when they found out that their wives are going to give birth to a baby girl and stuff like that and it's really heartbreaking because Islam came along and changed that it revolutionized that because we were taught hang on that is not what this is supposed to be about this was never about this in reality having a girl is a blessing that is something we've literally been told about in Islam having a girl is a blessing you are literally so blessed to have a daughter if you have three daughters and you raise them to be righteous women you've literally got a ticket to Jannah you've literally got your entry to Jannah how how much more beautiful could a reward be? The fact that you've literally just had three girls and you've raised them, you've taken care of them, you've given them this, you know, the knowledge of the deen, you've you've taken care of them in the worldly aspect, you've raised them to be righteous and you know, understanding Islam. And then when they basically are there on the day of judgment and you're there on the day of judgment you get to go to Jannah because you raised them you took care of them you made them into righteous women and so that is your ticket that is literally your entry to Jannah and it is so sad because so many people forget this in our communities now if I bring it to the South Asian community I am South Asian myself and these stories that I have heard are absolutely heartbreaking like the, the way that people will talk to, you know, um, women who are bearing, you know, female babies, you know, families where they may have, ha- may have had more girls than, you know, boys who don't have any boys and they all have girls, that type of stuff. It is so, so heartbreaking because you really do realise that it, it really do be your own. Basically, it really do be your own. I have seen families where it's their own people saying it to them and making them feel awful it will literally be their very own people their own relatives their own family members their own loved ones telling them oh by the way you're basically screwed because you just had girls like you've literally just had female babies that's it you're done what's a daughter gonna do for you 
And it's so, so sad because this is a, it's a chain. It's a chain that's not going to be broken. In some families, alhamdulillah, it has been broken. In others, oh my God, it just carries on. It carries on and carries on. And I just find it so shocking because genuinely, when you see a lot of these problems, right, in the community. Now, one thing I want to say is I'm not sitting here to bash culture all the time. I, I don't want to do that because I do think that there are really beautiful aspects of our culture. There are a lot of things about our culture that kind of ties to Islam as well. There are general like morals and stuff and values that are really, really beautiful. But when it comes to stuff like this that are quite frankly toxic and just very, very undermining, you literally sit there and think to yourself, man, like if these people actually just took care of their religion and if they just looked into it, so much of this could be fixed. Like just literally so much. And, and, and so many of these problems and so many of these these misconceptions could be cleared up if they just looked into their religion. And one of them is this perfect example of this concept of having girls and how it's, oh, it's, it's such a bad thing to have girls. Oh, God, like, oh, do you know such and such? Yeah, they had a baby. Oh, do you know what it was? Oh, it was a girl. Oh, inshallah, next time. That's literally something I've heard. That's literally something we have heard on a general basis. Oh, inshallah. Allah can see next time. Yeah, let this see odd. You know, in, in, in proper like, you know, Punjabi terms. But, you know, it's just it's just so, so crazy because how are you forgetting that this is a blessing from Allah? How are you forgetting that? That the fact that a woman literally has so many rewards sent her way literally sometimes like the concept of childbirth in itself don't even get me started on that because that is such a hard and harrowing experience for many women but on top of that the amount of of reward that Allah gives you and the amount of expiation for your sins that Allah gives you during that process you know there's literally there's literally a part where basically if 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 a woman was supposed to give birth to a baby but then you know the baby died it was a miscarriage it was an unborn fetus obviously Allah knows and Allah has taken that soul back right Allah has taken that baby back but on the day of judgment that baby will literally drag its mother by the umbilical cord to Jannah right so for a lot of people who are listening and I know that this is a very very harsh harsh topic I guess and trigger warning for anyone who's suffering with this and dealing with this but the the concept of having miscarriages or stillborns or not being able to conceive or generally is a very very hard topic in itself and and I don't believe that people should be going around and asking everyone oh so like when are you gonna have a baby like oh my god when are you have a child you don't know the effect that can have on someone um not that I would know because like sis ain't even married but um the point that I'm trying to make is that for the women who have had miscarriage and stuff, just remember that first of all, everything was decreed. Of course, people probably tell you that and it doesn't make you feel any better. But just think of the beauty of the decree because whilst it is so upsetting and heartbreaking for you, just remember that again, for you, that is a ticket to Jannah. For you, that baby is literally there and he's literally telling you, it's literally telling us and Allah has told us that you're going to be entering Jannah because of that baby. That baby is going to make sure that you are getting to Jannah. And there's nothing more beautiful than that if you think about it. Because at the end of the day, we are on this earth for one purpose and one purpose only. Literally to pass the test of this dunya and to go to Jannah. And you know, I literally saw something today on TikTok, um, sorry, on Instagram, where it was like, um, at the end of the day, the journey will be complete. Either the journey to paradise or the journey to hell you just have to choose which journey you're going on right and that comes into a lot of deeper meanings and you know when you choose from right when you choose from wrong and don't get me wrong we all sin we are all so imperfect it's unreal I will sit here and say and put my hand up first and say I am the most imperfect and there's so many ways that I can be you know always improving myself a hundred percent 
There are days when it's so easy and you feel so good and your iman is like on, on a peak, it's on the highest mountain. And then there are other days when you're just like, God, like I'm struggling just to do the bare minimum. And it is really, really heartbreaking and it just puts you down so much and you start to feel really guilty. But just remember that that's the whole process and the whole concept of iman and the whole concept of this journey of this deen. Like it's never going to be a high trajectory. It's never going to be a high, you know, peak. It's never going to be so, so uplifting is supposed to be a journey of ups and downs and that's what we've got to take it as so when you're talking about this journey to paradise and journey to hell it's never going to be easy but it's things like this these difficult difficult tests these difficult struggles that make you realize i'm so sorry i got a phone call (laughs) halfway through but what i was trying to say was that these difficult tests and these difficult trials that you're put through you're put through for a reason and because allah knows what's best for you obviously we go through this so many times we've spoke about this so many times on this podcast i think it's like a it's like a reminder that we just know off by heart now but when it comes to stuff like this as well miscarriages and and even like trying for babies and everything like that that is also again a test from allah because for example a miscarriage is something that will be so harrowing for you on this dunya think about it in this dunya you are so tested mentally and emotionally by this pain but Allah knows how it's going to benefit you in the afterlife like literally Allah knows how it's going to save you on the day of judgment when people are sent to Jannah when people are sent to Jahannam like Allah knows so that is so crazy and that that richly mind boggles me because it's something that's going to absolutely break your heart in this dunya it's going to shatter you it's literally going to break your heart but in the in the next life it's something that's going to literally raise your ranks it's something that's going to get you to jannah when everyone else is literally panicking and worrying are they even going to make it but you're going to be there because your baby dragged you by your umbilical cord to jannah and i find that so so crazy but subhanallah like that's just the beauty of allah that's the that's the beauty of what we mean when we say that allah knows what's best for us and and back to this as well the concept of of girls and boys and the concept of blessings and stuff that's another thing Allah knows what's best for you whether you want a boy whether you want a girl Allah knows so when you look at at families that that reject the idea of the beauty of having a girl they reject the blessing of having a girl imagine how 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 disrespectful that could be to Allah right Allah is literally al-wahhab he's the he's the giver of gifts Allah is Al-Amin, like he's the, he's the knower and the all-seer and all-hearer, right? Allah knows everything, the all-knowing, the all-encompassing. I can't even speak today. But the point I'm trying to make is, imagine you have literally been sent a blessing by Allah and you're like, oh God, no, I wanted a boy. Nah, next time maybe. Like how how disrespectful could that be? I just cannot fathom that, right? And bearing in mind, you know, we've heard so many stories of these. I mean, back in the times of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, before Islam came about, before Islam was declared as the one true religion, um, obviously there were people who, who were, you know, practicing shirk and, you know, they were idol worshipping. A lot of the Quraysh were idol worshipping um, in the times of, you know, Saudi and everything, uh, Saudi Arabia. But there were certain individuals who were still monotheists and they were like, no, I believe in one God. And one example of a person such as that was um, Zaid bin Amr bin Nufail. So this person was someone that's not really spoken about quite a bit, but um, he relates to, I think I want to say it's like Surah Fatiha, like the tafsir in relation to Surah Fatiha. 
um, which I saw, um, and it was such an interesting story because um, this man was basically in search of a monotheistic religion. So he was someone who was like, I believe in one God, but I don't know which religion to follow because there's, you know, Christianity, there's there's uh, Judaism, uh, there's this, there's that, and none of these lot are telling me which one's the proper true religion to follow because remember, in Surah Al-Fatiha, we were told about two specific um, groups of people. And this is in um, the last verse of Surah Al-Fatiha. Um, and it basically was talking about the path of those who you have blessed, not those you are displeased with or those who are astray. So in terms of this, it kind of like separated them into two different categories. There were the ones that basically who earned the anger of Allah, which is, you know, why Allah was displeased with them, and the ones who were led astray. So in the tafsirs, which basically is, if for those of you who don't know, tafsir is basically like the analysis and uh, of the Quran, and it basically takes into consideration the hadiths surrounding the Quran and, you know, all the stuff. And um, in the sense of this, there was a hadith that was revealed where someone asked the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, when this verse was revealed, who was Allah referring to who were the ones who earned his anger and who were the ones who were led astray and the prophet Muhammad basically told us that the ones who that Allah was angry with were the Jews because they were presented with the truth right of you know the fact that Allah is one you know only believe in him and that you know um basically do right by Allah's laws but they turned away from the truth so they obviously went and they changed the Torah and they did this, they did that. And obviously later on, which wasn't related, but very later on, you know, in the time of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he, you know, came to prophethood, you can just see so many times and instances where the Jews plotted against the Prophet and tried to attempt assassination of the Prophet as well as stuff Allah. But, you know, you have examples of that. And so they earned the anger of Allah. And that's what it relates to because they were present, sorry, they were presented with the truth, but they turned away from it purposefully they turned away from it intentionally and then when they asked about the ones who were led astray that was in relation to the christians because sadly they were presented with the truth as well but just because of the people and stuff and they um kind of like forgot and they were led astray and they were kind of like easily misled basically so when we are talking about surah al-fatiha and this is why we talk and this is why it's such an important surah this is going very off topic right now but it's such an important surah. Like you literally say the surah like every single time you're praying, right? You say it so many times in your salah. And the reason why is because if you just look at the translation of this surah, it's honestly, it, it basically, it, com- it, it comprises like, is that the right word? Comprise? I don't even think that's the right word, you know? I'm not joking. I swear I make up half the words in this podcast. It basically kind of like includes like all three aspects of tawheed yeah so if you even just read it like bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahir rabbil alamin ar rahmanir rahim maliki yawmiddin like literally ar rahman ar rahim you've literally got the 99 names of allah in there you've literally got the two names for example the most compassionate the most merciful the most forgiving and what that surah does is it basically includes for example, I think it's Tawheed Asma Wal Sifat. So, sorry, that's Tawheed Al Asma Wal Sifat. So, that's basically Tawheed relating to the attributes and the names of Allah. And one of the contexts of believing in Allah is to believe in His names and believe in His beauty and the qualities and the attributes of Allah, right? Because we know that Allah has been described in so many ways. So, by just reading Surah Al Fatiha, you are basically kind of like 
renounce like you're basically announcing and like basically confirming this aspect of tawheed right this aspect of believing in the fact that allah is one and the true deity of allah which is what tawheed means and one of the aspects of that is this right believing in the names of allah and this is something that we can literally do an entire podcast episode on which maybe i could i guess one day but um there's so much that goes into it but what i was trying to say was how does this all relate to zed bin amr bin nafail because this man was in search of the true religion and so he went to the christians he went to the jews and he was like no this doesn't kind of like encompass what i want and so he just decided that i'm going to believe in one allah and he basically said i believe in the in the religion of um the prophet abraham because obviously we know that that was the grandfather of um muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam um well the great grandfather and that's the line that he descends from and obviously if we look at the way ibrahim alaihi salam led his ummah and everything you know in the belief of monotheism and the belief that allah is one that's what he was basically proclaiming and so he said that i believe in you know one allah and uh, sorry one god and you know i don't associate any partners with him and so he stopped eating for example any meat that was slaughtered by the quraysh because they were slaughtered at the um at the kind of like um stands at well, i don't know what you call them but basically like the kind of like the raised levels where they put their idols so the quraysh would basically sacrifice meat for the sake of their idols and like obviously take the idols name when they were sacrificing the meat and so for zaid it was like i'm not eating that meat because that was sacrificed in the name of those idols and i don't worship those idols he aimed not to obviously associate himself with that with any of that and also the reason why he's so important in the story is because one of the things he would do was save and protect the female girls so anyone who wanted to basically get rid of their babies their female girls or their daughters basically he would save people's daughters and what he would say was give them to me i will raise them i will feed them and i will clothe them and at the time of when they're an adult you want you can come and get them back marry them off or i will marry them off and i will look after them and the reason he would do this is basically he was saving them he was basically protecting them from the concept of death and um you know female infanticide and but this was something that he was very very well known for because he was strongly against the concept of turning daughters out or killing them or killing newborn babies that are girls because you're what worried that you can't clothe them and feed them and so he would offer to look after them and take care of them in a respectful manner feed them and clothe them and then at the time when they reach adulthood and they're ready for marriageable age he'd be like you can come back and get your daughters so i've basically taken that burden off your shoulders that you were so worried about and i've taken care of her and you can come and get her back and he was very very well known for this and so this is an example of how prominent it was in the times before the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because there was one man in specific that we know of and we've been told of at that time that would basically go around and save the daughters and that's just so 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 pivotal because sadly it, this is what really really breaks my heart people don't realize this but that is something that was deeply rooted in the culture because their forefathers did that and their fathers before them did that and so they were doing this as well and one of the things that islam came and did was abolish those old age traditions and a lot of these you know circumstances and shirk and all of this and these misunderstandings had been perpetuated from the fact that you know they were following what their forefathers did 
and this is something that the Prophet Muhammad was trying to teach them like hey you need to get rid of these 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 ways that you're you know you're still sticking to and they were like no we cannot abandon the way of our forefathers that is disrespectful we could never do that now bearing in mind I'm telling you this about the times of of when the Prophet Muhammad was trying to spread the message of Islam just think back to how long ago that was right Today, we live in societies and, for example, in the South Asian communities where sometimes you will try and educate people about, hey, what you're doing is wrong in the terms of Islam and in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what you're doing is so wrong and it's so punishable. But they'll be like, no, but my, my dad did this. But no, but my my mom used to do this. Oh my God, no, my grandma literally taught us how to do this. How are you, how are you telling, telling me that this is wrong when my grandma taught me this? I mean, you're trying to tell me the elders don't know? Is this not the same pan? Is this not the same pattern you are seeing? Is this not the same thing you are watching again? You're witnessing that some of these people in our communities cannot let go of the age-old traditions that their forefathers had. For example, forced marriage. Or for example, not letting their children marry the people that they want to marry. Because what? Oh, it's wrong. Our community will look down on us. Oh, we didn't. Our parents chose who we wanted you know, who they wanted us to marry, it worked out, we're fine. So we're going to do the same for you. Despite not knowing that if you force a child into marriage, that is a battle in the car, that's not valid. And if that is not a valid nikah, for every day that they spend together, that is literally like committing adultery. That's literally committing adultery because the nikah was battle. That is punishable. That is literally a sin. But try and tell these people that. Because in our communities, sadly to say, they will rather cling on to their culture than Islam. And again, when we talk about daughters, when we talk about burying them, when we talk about this type of stuff, today, you don't have to bury a daughter for her not to be living. Let me just repeat that. You don't have to bury a daughter for her not to be living. You can be literally functioning and alive. Your heart can be beating, but you can be dead on the inside. And that is sadly what our community does to a lot of the women. And I don't want to sit here and be like, oh my God, no, the men have it so easy because they don't, they don't. I did an episode where um, we did a Reddit thread and I cannot remember for the life of me, sadly, which episode it was, but we talked about how there was that man in specific where he used to give all his money to his mum and then she didn't want him to get married. And then she and her auntie were saying like, oh my God, like everyone's so poor back home. We need to send money over. And then he was like really 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 doing badly with his mental health and it declined and so he went back home to kind of like you know relax there for a bit and when he went everyone had like the most beautiful houses they had businesses that they were doing they had shops that they were running um and he was like what the hell like how did you guys all have this and he, they were like um yeah your you know your mom was sending us money like he was like yeah but i would send that money because one of you guys were in hospital or one of you were dying or one of you had this problem that problem like, no, no no we never had those problems and so he came back and he sat his mum down and he was heartbroken about the fact that his mum had basically been using him, taking all his money off him in, in, you know, in his entire life, wouldn't let him get married to the girl he wanted to marry because she was worried that now he won't be giving money home. And so he had to break ties for a while and he had to go off and just basically get back on his own two feet. And it was so, so mentally traumatising for him. But where that one stemmed from was the fact that men sadly have a lot of financial responsibility and burden upon them, the sons. And so in that kind of like race, that rat race, they lose themselves. So men do have it equally hard as well. But when it comes to the women, what's so sad is that a lot of these problems that I instigated against them are emotionally harrowing 
and it's so 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 heartbreaking women will literally be told yeah we wanted you to be a boy but like you turned out to be a girl and and honestly it's just so sad because when i was talking earlier about the chain will never be broken in some families alhamdulillah it has been others it will carry on and i'll tell you an example where one time i heard a story where this specific mother-in-law wanted her daughter-in-law to have a a, a boy and they wouldn't really say obviously we went to say it out like oh my god i want her to buy, have a boy but the little sister-in-law basically so the mother's actual daughter she basically was talking about it and she kind of let it slip and i remember everyone's like wait what like well not everyone the girl who told me the story basically she said to her how could you say that like it's okay if it's the girl and she turned around like she was like oh so basically your mom wants her to have a boy she said it like that and then this girl whose basically mom was being questioned she literally turned around she snapped and she was like oh well what's wrong with that there's nothing wrong with wanting a specific child whether it's a boy or a girl she wants a boy she's gonna get a boy and everyone was just so shocked and stunned into science because they were like what the hell and believe it or not at that time it wasn't very very like visible about why she had said that but later on as the years came along we realized and you know it was seen in the community the way that mother was that woman the elderly woman she was with other people and she was with her own children she was very very heavily favored towards wanting boys she didn't want girls and this is not just one family these are recurring families this is a very very big thing sadly in the asian community whilst it's getting better alhamdulillah because you know we are educating our daughters and we are showing them hey you know you have a life as well and you deserve to live your life to the fullest but you do have this thing where sadly in some families they're not breaking the chain and so their children who are still young perhaps are going to grow up and and carry this notion but you know what makes me laugh so much about this entire thing and this is what they were talking about in that reddit thread where she said that once you've read upon sixth grade biology come back and give me a call and you can apologize and the reason why she said this is i don't know if a lot of you guys know this and you probably do but it's something that's so hard to drill into the older generation for some reason and you can sit down and draw them a whole chart. You can sit down and draw them diagrams. You could show them videos on YouTube. They will not get it because they choose not to get it. Because if they choose to understand, there's nowhere to throw the blame. And I'll explain what I'm saying. Biologically, and it's so simple, the, the formula is very simpler. Simpler? <laughs> the formula is very simple. Um, but basically, when you talk about the whole concept of you know bloody making children in the first place... You talk about chromosomes, right? And so when we talk about these specific chromosomes, like the gametes, which is obviously the chromosomes and the cells that are responsible for flipping having children in the first place, um, you talk about X chromosomes and Y chromosomes. So if you know your basic biology, you'll know that a man is an XY and a female is an XX. So that one chromosome that basically can determine your entire, you know, the entire difference between a, a gender is, or sex rather, is a Y, right? So the thing is, if you draw a Punnett square, which is literally like a maths table, you will notice that obviously your mother and your father have to donate at least one each. So if a mother was to donate an X, then the other X, because bearing in mind, the mother can only donate an X, right? She's got two Xs. So it's an X or an X. Choose, it's still going to be an X. So the mother will always donate an X. Now, the second chromosome is basically what determines the sex of the of the child. And that chromosome is going to come from the father. Now, let's have a look at what the father has. Oh, he has an X or a Y. Well, if he donates a Y, it's going to be a son. 
But if you donate an X, it's going to be a daughter. Now, this whole concept of donating is at random. It's literally a random assignment, okay? You don't get to choose. You don't get to pick. You don't get to, you know, bloody reserve your spot in six months' time or nine months' time. Let me stand in the waiting list. There's a 2,000 patient queue on it. You don't get to choose. It is random. When we even talk about randomness, that's biologically random, right? Now, let's relate it to Islam. It's Qadr. It's literally been decreed. These things are things you cannot change. There are two types of Qadr. There's one way it can be changed with the concept of Dua. There's another way you cannot change it. For example, who your parents will be, your date of birth, and your sex. Because Allah determines that. That is pre-decreed. So that type of stuff, Allah decides what is entering in your house. Is it going to be a daughter or is it going to be a son? Now, bearing in mind, first and foremost, even if you didn't understand the concept of biology, if you didn't even get the concept of biology, you should surely at least understand that this is decree, this is out of my hands, I cannot control fate and kismet, Allah does, I have no right to even be questioning this and I have therefore no right whatsoever to be throwing the supposed blame on someone else. But what we have is a community that basically pushes the women down, absolutely tortures them. I have seen families where they will absolutely torture the daughter-in-law for having a baby girl. They will literally mentally punish her physically sometimes even punish her and therefore sometimes might even want to get their sons remarried because oh my god she's not giving any sons oh she keeps giving daughters i need to marry my son again he needs to carry on the family nine we have all this wealth that we've accumulated not realizing that that was wealth that was given by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but hey ho i still want a boy so i need to get married again maybe the next one that comes on will give me a boy but you're not understanding honey the problem is your boy the problem is your son Right? If you want to supposedly put the blame on someone, let's just say if that was a thing that we're taking into consideration here, the only person you can point your finger at is your son. Which generally you couldn't because it's done randomly, number one. And number two is decreed. But if you wanted to, if you really wanted to point fingers at anyone, it would be your son. Because he's the one who donates the final chromosome. And that's the one that determines the sex of the child. But you know, try and explain that to them and they will never get it. It's so simple. They will never, ever, ever understand because they choose not to understand. And so when you sit in front of people like this and when you say, hey, by the way, you know what you're doing is wrong. Oh my God, you are going to be shut up so quickly and you're going to be silenced because what you're saying does not fit their agenda. And and the, and the saddest, this is what's so, so, so sad about this. It's not even what you're saying. It's what Allah has told us. Allah has told us, do not bury your daughters alive. If Allah has provided you with children, he will also provide their risk. He has written it. So when you are scared to death that you've got a daughter in your house, oh my God, I've just given birth to a baby girl. What am I going to do? How am I going to feed her? She's just a loss for me financially at everything. Did you not once stop to think that the person who you've given birth to has his or her own kismet written by the creator? And so the creator who provided you with this baby who gave you the ability to have the child, who has provided you with this offspring, has also provided you with their risk. He's also sent their, them down with their risk. Have you never once stopped to consider that? Have you never once stopped to understand that maybe they come down with the fate of their own? You do not know what's going to happen. Your responsibility and your job as a parent is to raise them and nurture them and give them a good upbringing and teach them their deen and teach them Islam. You have boys, sorry to say, but if you are so upset about honour and you're so upset about a girl bringing shame upon the family, let's talk about all the sons and all the boys who bring shame upon their families 
But that gets pushed under the carpet, right? Because it's okay. Oh, it's fine if they do it. It's all right if they do whatever they want to because they're boys. They're sons. There's no such thing as honor for them. God forbid. Oh my God. Honor? Son? No, not in the same sentence. But you want to start dragging honor into the equation when your girl does something wrong. Right. Okay. But the last time I checked, as a parent, are you not supposed to be teaching your children the rights and wrongs when they make a mistake, when they mess up? You're supposed to sit them down and go through it like an actual normal adult would do, like a parent would do. But no, all you see them is beating them up. And it's so, so sad because the stories you see, I mean, I've seen countless stories in, in Pakistan, in India, in Bangladesh, in the UK, you know, in our in our own communities, in, in, in the Arab kind of like worlds as well, in the Arab countries. And it's just again and again. And what makes me so sad about that is we're Muslims. We are Muslims, Right? the majority of these countries have a, have a majority population except from India perhaps but they have a population of Muslims right how did you forget your religion how did you forget your deen when it came to matters like this does it not break your heart that you look at an innocent child that's just been born today and you're and you're what upset because what she's an xx and not an xy how could you do that and honestly, it's something that I personally do not think will ever get fixed and the reason for that is as well I believe and I think this is very true, when it comes to matters like this, you have to see them as something that you will be tested by. You know, last week's episode was about how a poor person might be a test for you. Everything that's sent to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is going to be a test. For example, if Allah wanted to, he could have created us all of the same colour and the same race, right? You could have all created us the same colour, we'd all have the same skin colour, we'd all have the same race, same ethnicity, ethnicity, see I'm telling you I cannot speak today, same ethnicity, same um, nationality, that would make things a lot easier, right? There wouldn't be such thing as, as racism, there wouldn't be such thing as discrimination, such thing as stereotypes or prejudice, right? But what would we talk about Islam? We are not supposed to, differentiate and treat someone differently based on the color of their skin you're not supposed to do that whether it comes to um financial situations such as like you know um doing business with them or perhaps employing them in your companies or you know doing loans or something like that or settling debts don't don't discriminate against them for that whether it comes to inviting them into the dean you wouldn't say no to oh you can't be a muslim because you're an xyz color you wouldn't do that whether it comes to marriage you do not say no to a proposal just for the sake of the color of their skin or a race it doesn't work like that that's not what we do that is racism and it's so wrong in islam because who are you to decide whether you get to judge that person and put them on a certain, you know, level, by you being racist to them, you're automatically considering and deeming them inferior. Think about it. Because if you thought of them as the same level as you, you would never discriminate based on the colour of their skin or their race, right? But you have people who do that, sadly. But imagine, Allah could have created us all as the same colour, but he chose not to. He gives all such differences for one thing, for us to get to know each other. Number two, think about it this way. Maybe that's a test. Maybe... Allah is seeing how you're gonna you're gonna react to someone of a different colour than you, someone of a totally different race, someone of a totally different culture, aspect, background to you. Allah's gonna see what you're gonna do. Are you going to act superior? Are you going to think you're better than them? Are you going to start judging and start giving out all of these uh, decisions? Are you going to start telling them what's right and wrong, what they should and shouldn't be doing? Are you going to be the judge of them? Are you going to basically be treating them right or wrong? Allah's going to be watching because Allah watches everything. You know, the thing is, look at this world and look at it. If Allah truly wanted to, Allah could have reversed the roles of women and men. 
think about it. If Allah truly wanted to, he could have made it in such a way where if the boys did something wrong, it'd bring shame, supposed shame on the honor of the family. But but that's not the case, right? If Allah really wanted to, he could have changed our our perceptions. He could have changed this, this age-old traditions and this history behind this whole thing. And he could have made it in such a way where people feel equal happiness of having a boy or a girl. But he chose not to. He put some things there to see how we would react to them. And that is something you always, always have to remember. Go into this life, in this dunya, thinking, hey, I'm presented with this obstacle. Now, I know certain people, maybe from like my forefathers, maybe from my community, maybe from my society, they may have reacted to this obstacle in such a way. But I know what's right and I know what's wrong because Allah has already instructed me on what's right and wrong and I have looked into my deen and I understand Islam tells me how to deal with it. Now, the step lies in the fact that what am I going to do about it? How am I going to react to this obstacle? What am I going to do? What am I going to do facing the situation? Because at that point, Allah is watching. He is going to see what choice you choose. And that is the concept of when we talk about free will and I was learning this today in Islamic class and it's so crazy subhanallah when we talk about free will and people always say like oh well you know if if everything's decreed and if everything's already written if there's qadr and everything how do I have free will because Allah knows everything I'm going to do it's already predestined right that's true but if you do it the shake the, the way the shake was explained to us was if you draw a circle on your paper draw a circle for me and do a lot of dots inside that circle now do some dots outside the circle so the dots outside the circle are things that are will they, they will never happen. That circle represents the will of Allah, right? That that circle right there represents Allah's will. Now, everything outside of the circle is things that will never happen for you. Those are things that Allah has simply not willed for you. But everything inside that circle, all of those dots, those are things that Allah has willed for you. Now, it's up to you to choose whichever one of those dots inside that circle. You might go for dot A, right and then be like mm, no you know what actually my mind i want to go for dot b so that jump from dot a to dot b allah knew you were going to make that 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 jump but he was just seeing what you're going to choose are you going to go for that or are you going to try and and push and choose something outside of the outside of the will of allah you get what i'm trying to say right so we talk about this type of stuff and, and the way that the sheikh basically explained it was um you know there's there's different types of power you've got the power of the creator where you know he's got the the ability he's got the power to create but then you got the power in humans and our power lies in we have the power and the ability to choose right because with that comes accountability and so we are held accountable for the choices we make so allah has given the power to us to choose to make choices because those are the choices we're going to be held accountable for right so when you talk about all this type of stuff, when we talk about how are we going to react to stuff, remember a lot of this is a mind game. This dunya is a test. And so we're on this earth to see what choices are we going to make? Are we going to choose from right and wrong? Are we going to choose good and evil? What are we going to do? How are we going to treat others around us? How are we going to obey Allah? How are we going to basically do the right stuff that will get us into Jannah and avoid the bad stuff? Because things like racism, things like this, you know, differentiating between, you know, girls and boys and, you know, female infanticide and stuff like that. And not even just that, but killing the dreams of female girls, you know, basically not giving them their rights. That is something that Allah takes into account. And you have to be very, very vigilant about that type of stuff. And so I really hope that this episode was a bit of an eye-opener and I think it has gone on for a little longer than I intended it to. Um, 
And obviously, I started off with the Reddit thread because I thought there's just so much we can take from this. I've been planning this episode for a little while now, and I'm actually surprised why we didn't do it longer. Um, sorry, longer? Why we didn't do it um, long ago? <laughs> I think that's what I was trying to say. Why we didn't do it before? Because it's just so eye-opening, and it's something we can talk about like for as long as possible. I probably sat here, and you guys probably came across so many stories that you might have remembered yourself from people you know, from anyone in your community, from anyone in your town or your city or your country or someone back home, any story related to this type of stuff. Um, And there are so many that I can remember and some are actually very, very gruesome. Um, And I don't really think it's relevant to share on the podcast because some of them are very, very harrowing. I keep using that word today because generally this whole topic is very harrowing when you think about it on a deeper scale it is just so messed up um but some of them honestly the crimes that some people have committed um where the police have got involved and you know you've got life imprisonment and stuff like that just upon the news of hearing that it it was a girl um it's just so scary and I don't really want to make it so dull and dark but it is a is a reminder it's a reminder to anyone out there or anyone who's facing this kind of trial right now or may have these type of views you know change yourself change the way you think about it I know for the older generation it is hard but remember that you are the next generation think about it one day you're going to be the older generation so think about the type of ideas you're implementing in your head what are you going to be carrying on are you going to be choosing from right and wrong are you going to be teaching the deen to your children to make them understand what Islam tells us that is right and what Islam tells us we shouldn't be doing? What are you going to be teaching? Because you one day are going to be the elder generation. You're sat here today and you can see so many things that the elder generation does wrong. Maybe perhaps that they stick and hold on to their culture too much or, you know, the, the good things that you're going to be taking with you for the rest of your life because there's so much that we've learned from them and so many valuable lessons that we will take with us forever, Right? But you have to decide, sitting here right now, what are the type of things that you're going to be implementing in your life and the mindset you're going to have. Because one day you're going to be sitting in their position and there's going to be people like us at our age and they're going to be thinking, hang on, is what you know that they're doing right now, is the elder generation at that time, are they doing right and wrong, right? So it's something really to take home and I think it's something for me to implement on as well. It's something for me to remember forever that whatever I do today is going to affect me in the later future. And that includes mindset because mindset is so important around these type of topics. But I hope that everybody enjoyed this episode. I don't even know if enjoyment is the correct word. I hope it was um, an informative episode. I hope it really does kind of like strike up some really interesting conversations. I hope we can be open about it and discuss this type of stuff. You might go home and, you know, start a topic about this if you've been listening to it or anything like that. Um, And I really hope that does does happen. I hope that's the outcome because honestly... We need to, I always say this, we need to unlearn what we we know and relearn the new stuff, right? Sometimes people learn things regarding the deen and Islam in the wrong way. So we have to relearn the deen because we sadly got mixed up with other stuff and misconceptions. And I think this is just another example of that. But um, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Please let me know how you felt about it. Thank you so much to every single person who's ever listened to another episode out there. I really appreciate it. And follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Word Affairs. Check out any other episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And until next week, where we will speak again. Take care, inshallah.